What up, people? I'll tell you what's not up. Ranger hockey right now. Getting shut up by the Islanders last night. Not good. No bueno. We'll talk about that later. 30 minutes because I got a 5,000 on Thursdays, as you know. Guy Adami here. That's Dan Nathan. It is Thursday, October 27th. The month went by like that. EY from SoFi in just a few minutes. She's waiting in the wings with a new microphone, by the way, and she's pulling some serious stuff on this week's uh, writings, her musings. Today's episode, Dan, brought to you by FactSet, financial and financial data and analytics that are powered by tomorrow, Dan. SoFi, <clears throat> get your money right all in one app. Please don't clear your throat while I'm doing my read. And our production partners, Open Exchange. I am so geeked up on Mountain Dew. How you doing? I'm doing great. I think your mic is a little hot here, guy. We're gonna have to turn that Whoa, down a little usually, bit. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna listen. Uh, I'm gonna uh, do uh, it right now. Yeah. No. There you go. Why not? It's live here. Let's do it. All right. Let let let's kind of get into this because you know tonight after the close, this is the big one. You know, we've had three very very disappointing major tech earnings this week. We don't really need to kind of go into greater detail about what we heard from Microsoft and Alphabet earlier in the week, but the fact that they've followed through, guy, today to the downside, both down two percent. Spotify was also down um, a lot. So Amazon and Apple after the close. I mean, mm-hmm. we're going to get into that a little. Greater. I just do think if you look at the follow through to the downside with Meta now down, you know, 22%, just so you know, I bought a little at 101. I really feel like, listen, here's the deal. We all know that this company was about to be a trillion dollar market cap. And for some reason, Mark Zuckerberg decided to kind of plant, I don't know what the hell you want to say, seed or whatever kind of flag into the ground about a year ago, change the name, change the direction. Listen, we knew there were major, major headwinds for this company firing on all cylinders, let's say in mid 2021, but from a regulatory standpoint, from a competitive standpoint with TikTok, from all, you know, from just what was going to be a secular, maybe headwind after a couple really great years of digital ad sales. But this stock guy down 70%, you know, is truly amazing. Now, the question I have for you, would you bet against this company right now, 300 to 100 in less than a year, given what they've said about how they have to figure out how to better monetize the 2 billion people that log on every day and the 3 billion that log on every month. Yeah. So that's, as we say, a rhetorical question. I like that word because it sounds like I'm smart when I say it and has an H after the R, those two reasons. And you know the answer. The short answer is no. And, you know, I think we've done a decent job in illustrating how something like this could happen. So here we are at levels we effectively haven't seen, I want to say in six or so years, maybe longer than that. Doesn't matter. Point is, as I've mentioned we're going to have a capitulation day on volume. Doesn't mean the stock's going up 20% tomorrow, but you've effectively flushed a lot of people out. And what I said on Fast Money last night, and I'll say it here, you might not think you own Facebook, but quite frankly, there's a very good chance that you do if you're in the market, being in 322 or so ETFs. And I said this last night, you think about what Facebook has screwed up, and it's a lot. They changed their name no good. They basically got into a business that nobody understands and they can't cogently explain. They bought back Dan $42 billion with the B worth of stock at an average price of 300, which means they're lousy stock traders. So effectively, they've done nothing right now since the name change and the stock is being punished on the back of it. To your point, though, when you have a 35% of the world's population effectively on your platform, somebody's going to figure out how to monetize that. So to me, 
Today is your capitulation day. It doesn't mean it's going to bounce. This is what you've been waiting for literally for the last eight or nine months. And it's being handed to you, I think, on a silver platter. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and again, you know, we've been talking about trading a bunch of these names like Snap, like Nike that have had huge gap to the downside, even when sentiment was really poor and the stocks were acting very poorly. Um, you know, there's ways to kind of trade around these things and take advantage of just some of the just extreme sort of um, selling we're seeing. This is kind of hate selling. All that being said, a stock that's down 70 percent. You get cut in half again, yeah. you know, and and so <clears throat> you want to be nimble here a little bit. Guy, one of the silver linings I thought was kind of interesting, at least investors thought, was, um, you know, that CapEx, they're going to continue to spend. It's going to be hardware driven. It's going to be heavy graphics. You saw that NVIDIA gapped up 7% this morning. It's only up about 3% right now. Mm-hmm. Look at the downtrend that this has been. We've talked about it a lot. It does really feel like they're not going to report for a few weeks that this one, again, Again, you know, maybe you get to that kind of upper bound of that downtrend, but there's a lot of room to the downside. And then you back this thing out, you know, five years and you see the levels that it just bounced off of huge support level. I'm again, you know, we don't have to draw any other lines on this thing. Thoughts here because of India still expensive in a market where investors don't seem to be that uh, you know, inclined to, to uh, overpay from a multiple standpoint for some growth names. What we've said for a while, NVIDIA is an extraordinarily important company. It's a great company. And don't confuse the stock performance with the viability of the company. Again, you've said this on the show, and it it's going to sound glib. It's not meant to be. It wasn't NVIDIA's fault that the market bid it up to levels that it should never been at the first place. Um, but here we are now. So now everybody will sort of cast aspersions and say what allows it. It's not. It's very good company. Company. It's just a very expensive company. To your point, we're at the upper end of this downtrend, reports in a couple of weeks. It stands to reason, given what we've heard from a number of competitors, that it's probably going to test the lower end of that bound. And, you know, you will put us at levels we haven't seen in many years. And that's your support. And when, you know, you talk about this, a company like that, if it trades at, you know, four or five times revenue, then you're talking about something that's extraordinarily reasonable as opposed to probably the 30 times or so it traded at its peak. Yeah. All right. And then it's not all disasters in the stock market today on earnings. And when you look at a few names here, this one's really interesting, guy. ServiceNow, back in July, I think it was 12th, prior to the Q3, um, you know, kind of, well, Q2 earnings cycle. CEO of this company, it's an enterprise software company, a SaaS company here, talked about weakening demand. The stock had a huge gap lower. You can see it on the chart. But here we are today. The company reported stock gapped higher. It gapped to that point where it was in July interesting mm-hmm. when it sold off kind of hard here. But one of the things I think is interesting when you think about how poorly this stock was acting into the print, they had kind of, you know, I guess given the warning that they are going to see weakness in enterprise, we're starting to see that right now in these earnings reports. So sometimes it's just where you are in the cycle and how quick your management is to kind of identify some of the trends that we're seeing. That is why Microsoft is down again today, because I think a lot of investors were really holding on and thinking maybe that some of their divisions were going to kind of, I don't know, um, you know, not really fall victim to some of the trends that say a service now was seeing earlier in the summer. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting The move to the, if the first move lower was on the back of the guide, we actually talked about it. You brought it up. You actually said how important it was 
and you were surprised nobody was talking more about ServiceNow, not the not the company itself, but the read through. Subsequently, the stock bounced and was getting higher than where we broke down from, and then it collapsed again. So to your point, here we are at levels that we traded up to, and seemingly we're going to, I think, exhaust ourselves on big volume. Bill McDermott, the CEO of ServiceNow, came from SAP. The guy is very good at what he does. But to your point, what are the read-throughs on the back of this? So this is company, again, I think it's a great company. The stock is not a great stock. And I think if you've been so fortunate to own it into this number, I think you're taking profits and looking for another downdraft. But that's just me. And some of these other um, companies in their world are basically telegraphing exactly that. Yeah, here was one yesterday. I, I just thought <clears throat> Carter's, you know, bearish to bullish reversal. You know, he he kind of laid out in Robin Hood and Roblox mm-hmm. and uh, in Toast. Here is one that he could have had on there. And this is a stock that I actually have traded a couple times over the course of the summer. And it's Shopify. And this would have fit right into that whole little, what do you call it? A pastiche that he was doing or something yeah, like that? <clears throat> yeah, pastiche. Like yeah. So look at this word. one. We didn't even draw any lines. There's a 200-day moving average. I was not longing into the print. I will tell you this earlier in the month, I bought it near 26 bucks and I sold it just over 30. That's a pretty good trade, in my opinion, as I try to pat myself on the back here a little bit. But I'm also here to tell you that I'm kind of annoyed at myself because I'm not here for this kind of 15% move. And at the end of the day, okay, this is a company that is not profitable right now. Um, but you know, look at this thing here. It's pretty bombed out. And you can see this thing trading up to that 200 day moving average guy in a better market very easily, which would also get you back, you know, just I guess above those August highs, I'm looking to rebuy this thing on any sort of pullback. That's right. That's the way you play it. I mean, you have this long, I mean, you probably have four and a half, five months of just a flattening, bottoming out process, and then it's going to resolve itself, I think. And I think if Carter were here, he would say the same thing with a move to that moving average. And then again, you have to make a determination. You know, we will beat ourselves up from time to time. But as it turns out, unless you have proprietary trading platforms with Seeker on the back of it, yeah. nobody buys the low and sells the high. It's just the way it works, Dan. Yeah, that's that's a fact. Well, there. I'm just I, saying. I know, Guy Adami. All right, here's two. By the way, get... I know you want to move, but the Seeker by The Who yeah. is one of my top five Who songs. Fair enough. And it's probably on your Spotify playlist of how many songs? 805. There you go. You guys can find him at Guy Adami on the Spotify. All right. Here's two guys that I think are really interesting. We talk about all of this technical weakness that's been in the stock market, despite the fact that, you know, the S&P is down about 20%. There's been a lot of stocks that are just so far below their 200-day moving average. Here's a couple that are up today, reported better than expected results. Look at this McDonald's here. Mm-hmm. It's, get, you know, breaking back to levels, you know, from, I want to say, you know, late August or so, well above its 200-day moving average. And then Cat tractor guy it really stopped to the penny yesterday prior to this morning's print right at its 200 day moving average that's a big gap in an industrial there so again talk to me about these two names and these are two bright spots i think in this earnings period i'm glad to see they toggled back without me saying it so let's look at mcdonald's first <laughs> so we have been bullish in mcdonald's if you watch fast money it probably trades expensive to the broader market it's probably in line with where it trades historically how do you trade the stock now well I think this might exhaust itself at those levels if you look to the far left of that chart. You know, we're going to trade up and test to that <clears throat> prior high. I think it probably fails there and does a back and fill. So, again, this is one of those names. If you've enjoyed the ride, today's the day you've been waiting for. I think it's prudent to take profits. And if you look at Caterpillar, I'm going to say a very similar thing. Gaps like that are meant to be filled. Now, 
we are effectively filling a gap. If you go back to the middle of the chart, when we downdrafted, we are now filling that gap. It stands to reason at a certain point, Carter will speak to this, that the gap we've just created will be filled again. So maybe this has another couple days in it because I think people probably got themselves completely off sides in Caterpillar, and but it will exhaust itself. It'll probably exhaust itself another 6 or 7% from where we are. And then you're looking for a move back down to that moving average, which, by the way, Dan, is still sloping lower. That is a fact. All right, let's look at the two big ones that are reporting tonight after the close. Apple is one of them. Oh. It is it is the one. Okay. And here's one of the things I think is really interesting. Again, you know, you and I, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, given what we've heard from Google, from Microsoft, um, you know, some of the issues as far as supply chains with China, manufacturing, demand in a place like China, demand in Europe, all the above. We know that Apple had these new phones. We know that they have some pretty good devices. I love this Apple Ultra yeah, watch. It. It's I pretty dope, as the kids say here, guy. But listen, on a, on a number that's not as bad as expected and guidance is not as bad as expected. I just don't see this thing trading much higher than its 200 day moving average, which is right there, 156, 157, the implied move again, about 5%. That would get you there. But look at this thing, backing it out a few years here, guy. Look at this uptrend that's been in place from that late uh, mm-hmm. 2020 gap here. You know, on the downside, man, if they were to miss and guide lower, it's going to blow through that. Thoughts on Apple into the print. I don't think anybody thinks that's going to happen, which is why there's potential for that to happen again and please don't i'm not interested in being added on twitter it really just exhausts me but i will say this you know if you didn't know this was apple and just looked at that chart and then i would tell you this is a company that trades north of a market multiple probably trading around 22 times or so next year's numbers trades with mid to low single digit EPS and and revenue growth, and it has declining margins. And they sell things that are not cheap, Dan, in an environment where people are probably looking to ratchet things back. I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily a stock you want to be in. And I understand that it's Apple. On top of that, think about what's going on between the US and China. We've talked about it on, on the tape, on Market Call. We mentioned it on Fast Money the other night. That situation is only going to escalate. It's not going to resolve itself. And I will tell you, the existential risk for Apple, and there's probably a 20%, 15 to 20% chance that that happens, is the Chinese decide to put a huge bullseye on their back. And then we're talking about a whole different ballgame. So, again, I'm not a hater. I mean, I'm not a lover either. I'm not one of these people that bow at the altar of Apple or wait on frickin' line like some people do for hours to buy some shitty phone you can buy on the line. Back to you. <laughs> oh, wow. Guy down well, I mean, it's true. <clears throat> you know what? Now I'm getting myself. I don't know why I do this to myself. I really don't know because I was in such a good mood. But if you're waiting on if you are if you find yourself at any point in your life waiting online at Apple for anything reevaluate everything that you're doing back to you Dan fair enough all right let's look at Amazon here and this one you know is interesting to me not just because it's a maybe a read on the US consumer a read on spending from their you know just all of the activity that they did building out logistics and we know that they're looking to kind of pare down headcount and kind of offload some of these distribution centers I mean the list goes on and on of the things that you want to be focused on um, obviously you know dollar strength but the other one is that they built a really big advertising business too guy and this might be a read 
I think they have over $30 billion in ad sales mm-hmm. annually. So again, given what we've heard from Google and Facebook and Snap, um, that's something to keep an eye on. That downtrend, obviously a series of lower highs. You see that 200-day moving average at 132. It really feels like that support level just above 100. If you back that thing out, guy, look at this thing, man. Going back five years, that 104 level, that is a massive, massive mm-hmm. level. Let's see if it trades down. The implied move is about 8%. That would get you down towards those support level. Let's see if it holds. Why did we start this whole segment about the follow through to the downside that we're starting to see in some of these mega caps? It really is that people are overloaded in those names and we're seeing a bit of rotation. Maybe that's one of the reasons why we're going to talk about small caps with Liz. Maybe we're seeing good relative strength in some of these down names and the, um, uh, you know, and, and obviously the small caps here. So thoughts on Amazon into the print, how you might be trading this. It's remarkable how well the market's hung in on the back of everything we just discussed. I mean, I think it speaks to maybe maybe some of the things we said a week and a half, two weeks ago, the fact that we're in this rally in a bear market and we could probably go up about 15%. And so the fact that the market's hanging in there is is pretty impressive, number one. Number two, their prior CEO, I'm sure you're familiar with that gentleman, but basically, and I'm not a nautical person. I know EY grew up in the Midwest. Maybe she spent some time on Lake Michigan or something, but he actually, he said, Time to batten down the hatches. Now, yeah. again, I don't know have any hatches in my house, and I, I would not have batten them if I did. But he's basically sending a bit of a message. And you have to wonder, what can Amazon possibly say in this environment that's going to get the stock up that 8%? So I actually think you're going to see a downdraft here. And the, the trend in Amazon over the last many quarters, you know, one up, one down. But when they move, it moves violently. You saw yeah. the violent move to the up. I mean, this is a stock that rallied almost 70% at one point, if you think about it. And yeah. we're right back down to these levels, which is remarkable. So uh, I'm I'm looking for a better entry point. I think you're going to get it, Dan. Yeah, and I'll just say this. I'm not playing any of these names individually right now. Not this week. I did um, with Snap, and I did have a small position into it. And I traded um, in and around it after it had that big gap. I, you know, Amazon, you know, Google, you know, should, should it have been bought this morning at 90? I, I don't know. You know, maybe, you know, Microsoft, maybe the level was 210. It didn't get there yet. You know, Apple, you tell me if it get back towards those lows, you know, that we saw, which was down there, you know, the 120s or something like that. I just have one small trade on and it's um, it's it's long QQQ puts and they're weeklies. And I don't recommend that people trade weeklies in something like an index, because if you get the direction wrong, um, let's say in a, in a put strike above your strike by a penny, they're worthless in a day. That seems like a little punty, as the kids would say. Right. But to me, I think there's a chance that Apple does miss guide down. Amazon may be the same. You have a Nasdaq gap down again. And maybe that's the thing. That's the opportunity to kind of buy the market into next week's Fed meeting. Thought on that. Thoughts on that strategy, guy? No, I think. Listen, I think that's right. I, <laughs> I think your, I think your timing. Listen, this is where we have to thread the needle. But I'll say yeah. this in terms of how the market shakes out. You know, we said it a couple. We said it a week and a half or so ago. It felt to me as if we were in a very similar situation as we found ourselves in mid June, and then subsequently the market rallied almost nineteen percent into mid August, and then obviously we had that huge downdraft. I don't think. We're going to have that magnitude of a rally. I think it's going to be closer to 14 and a half, 15%. And if you start doing the math off of 34.91, it puts us a little bit north of 4,000. So that's another, what, 170-ish handles in the S&P. It all sort of lines up to me, gets us into the midterm election probably, and then post-election, all bets are off because I think some really weird things are going to happen after that, Dan. 
All right. So, guy, this is probably, I think, the probably most exciting moment of the week butters. for you on market call. No, let's do, well, that's save the second butters. most. Okay. That's a, okay. let's save no, butters this, no, this is, for Liz. No, you know, I mean, so, this is LY. Am I allowed yeah, to do it? Yeah. Yep. 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 Okay. Yep. So, first of all, I want people to understand <laughs> when, when I make fun of EY from SoFi, I do it out of love because think about it. If, all the things I said were true. It would be mean, and I wouldn't be saying them. So there's there is there is a sincere affection there. Just number one, uh, number two. Your note today. I mean, you went deep with this one, and I'm looking forward to it. But without further ado, which is a French word with an I E and a U, uh, it's E Y from SoFi. Hi guys. What, Look at this, what's, this fancy mic. What, yeah, you sound you sound great, Ly. Here's here's the deal, Ly. You just heard us talk a little bit um, about all these mega cap tech earnings. Thoughts on that? Because again, you know, so far just this week, the ones that we're most focused on. This is before we get Apple and Amazon tonight. They're not good, and they're massive moves in market cap terms. And so, yeah. just give us some 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 sense of like how you're thinking about this relative to maybe some of these non tech names. They're kind of holding in there a little bit. Well, so first of all, it's about time, right? It's about time that we started to get the news that tech companies were under pressure, that their margins were under pressure. There's been a point made, it's been made a couple of times in the last few days that these tech companies, and if we just take Silicon Valley as a whole, okay, they haven't, they're younger in general than a lot of the more established industrial companies or the companies that have been around for a very long time, such as McDonald's, which is my favorite fast food joint, Mm. but they're not used to this. They haven't been through cycles like this and they're not good at cutting the fat. So we're at this point now where we've seen the headwinds coming. We've seen these advertising headwinds coming. Now we've got a need for cost control and they're not doing great at it. So obviously all of these tech companies are very different from one another and where they get their revenue from is very different from one another. The thing that I would say to investors, and and we've been talking about this on market call, and I know I've been talking about it on CNBC a lot is that when you have quarters like this and years like this, where revenue growth is beating EPS growth by so much, and it's happening because of inflation, mm-hmm. guess what happens when inflation goes down? You don't have the buffer anymore. You don't have the margin. And when that margin disappears, they're going to be in a world of hurt. So I would say it's about time that we're getting some of this bad news. And we all know that as tech stocks go, the market goes because they're 26% or so of the index. So I think that this is good for us to go through as an exercise. I think it yeah. also says that this rally is a little irrational in this moment. Well, that's a good segue, Liz, because, you know, John Butters, our friend over there at FactSet, he writes the Earnings Insight blog. It drops every Friday on FactSet. He gives us a nice little preview of what he's going to be publishing tomorrow. And when you think about this, we've talked about energy um, and just the outperformance this year. His note tomorrow is going to talk about the sector and its contribution as far as earnings to the S&P 500. You know, and here's the deal. The highest year-over-year earnings growth of all 11 sectors in the S&P 500 at 117 mm-hmm. percent. That's the energy sector. This sector is the largest contributor to earnings growth for the index for Q3. X Energy, the S&P 500, is, uh, is reporting an earnings decline of nearly 6 percent for Q3. This will mark the second straight quarter of year-over-year 
earnings decline for the index X Energy. Guy, when you start hearing things like that, X Energy, what does it make you think? Because well, Liz said it's about time for mega cap tech. I'm just curious how you want to think about Butter's work this well, week. Well, we've na- I th- it makes me think of a few things. I think we've done a great job navigating the energy trade. I think you've done a fantastic job on the commodity front. I think we've collectively done a great job on the stock front. I mean, you look what those names have done. And what do I hear? X Energy? Well, I just hear Fed speak in my head, which makes me crazy. I'll say this, though, quickly. Two quarters of declining um, growth, Dan. What does that sound like to you? Oh, I'll answer for you. In earnings recession. Where did you hear that many months ago, Dan Nathan? I'll wait for the answer. Market call. Yeah, yeah, RKT call. Yeah, yeah you yeah, did. Yeah, so yeah. that's what I think of. I mean, again, I'm not an economist. I have no freaking idea. But no what I've said idea. for a while is that we're definitely in an earnings recession and it's playing out right before our very eyes. All right, Liz, talk to us, though, because I thought the last point on this note was really interesting that in Q2 of 2023, the energy sector is predicted to be a detractor from earnings growth for the industry. So a little bit of runway for the uh, for energy to help out the S&P between now and mid next year. Talk to us when you see data like that. Well, when something's driven by just one sector, I mean, if you're an investor who got into the market post covid, you've been taught that concentration works. And if you're concentrated in energy right now, you've probably been doing pretty well, but nobody is. So we're going to get to the point where I think the timing of this is going to be really tough for investors. We're going to look at it and say, oh, wait, energy is still the best sector in the index. That's when I buy it. And then everybody plows in and they stop contributing on earnings. Here's what I would say about the timing. And look, none of us are going to time the market perfectly. But if we just play out what the signals are telling us right now. So signals like yield curve inversions, all the other stuff, PMI is getting almost to contraction territory, new orders in contraction territory, all the things that tell us a recession is coming. If we assume that it starts in the first quarter of 2023, there's a chance that this earnings recession has played itself out by the end of the fourth quarter and through the first quarter, and then other sectors can come in and contribute again. We might be slowly out of the woods, and then the market can find its footing on the other side with other sectors. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks to Butters. We appreciate that. That's good kind of Love food Butters. for thought here as we're getting to the backside of S&P earnings. But, Guy, let's look at this S&P 500 chart. Again, you have been saying this for a couple weeks now. You think we could have a counter trend rally. You remain bearish of the S&P 500. We're starting to see a lot of people pieces come together. We're starting to see estimates come down both by the sell side and investors, but also the companies ratcheting down that guidance. You see this series of lower highs in the S&P 500. You have that declining 200-day moving average up there at 4117, just mm-hmm. below that downtrend. We're probably 10% off of the lows. Guy, are we going to get to 4100? And then obviously, I know that you and I both remain bearish of the markets. We don't think this is how we bottom here. You You'd probably be a seller with both hands up at those levels. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not certain we're going to get there. And with each passing day, you know, the time decay on that line takes that lower and lower. But we have said since effectively October 13th, 14th, that, again, the environment set up eerily similar to what we saw in June. I don't think we're going to have that magnitude of a rally that was closer to 19%. And maybe I'm being too cute here or too tactical. And maybe the time is to sort of take some chips off the table now. But the relative strength of the broader market in on the back of everything 
everything we've talked about for the last now 27 minutes is pretty remarkable. So I'm going to hold out hope that this rally has a few more days in it into probably the midterm. But again, you know, I think you have to have this on an extraordinarily short leash because I do think 3,400 is a foregone conclusion. All right. So Liz, quick question. You were out with the risk reversal media team the other night here and, and, and you got, yeah, you were, you were invited guy. You just didn't show. Um, and, and, and Liz, Liz sat next to, to Stephen Rafis, you know, he was like, he was Johnny on the spot with all the charts. Rafis is going to be a first, first team, uh, all-star for the PLL next year. You think so? The PLL cannons. He had a little bit of a sophomore slump. We've been talking about it this year. Um, but I challenged him this morning because, you know, he's Johnny on the spot with these facts set charts here. And look at this one here. This is the five year of the S and P 500. I don't think he could do it, but he did it. Look at this beauty um, right here, guy. You see, it looks like a, a chart that Carter did here. It's this beautiful uptrend from the lows of COVID, but now the downtrend that wow. we've been in here. And if you look at, Liz, look at this, that support level that we have down there, the pre-pandemic high, 34.30. We almost got there in that downdraft. Yeah. Thoughts on the S&P here. Do you think that we've bottomed here? A lot of people want to call bottoms um, here. We're not ones to do that here on the uh, market call thoughts on the S and P here, because again, I mean, that downtrend is, is pretty well defined. If we had, I don't know, another week or two, like guys says, maybe you get to 4,100. Would you be a seller at that level? All right. Here's what I would say. Obviously I'm not going to try to call the bottom. Everybody loves trying to call the bottom when we're five to 10% into a new rally, because then it looks like it's in the rearview mirror and oh, there we did it. It's done. It's over. That might be a bottom. Sure. When we look back on this period, I don't know if we're going to make a new bottom or something that's drastically lower. Nobody knows the real answer to that. Before this rally started, I did feel like we would get closer to 30% down on the S&P from peak to trough, which is below where we were before. So it's 33.57 on the S&P to be exact. That would take us down 30%. And the reason I felt like we would get there is because I feel pretty certain now that a recession is coming no matter how mild. So the market needs to price that in. The market is still not sold on that. So I do feel like we probably rally a little bit here. It's an opportunity to take a little bit of a gain in names that maybe you wished you would have exited before. Okay. So things that I would exit, not that any of these are up dramatically, but things that I would exit are some of those high growth names, tech names, right? Cause I don't think that those are the ones that are going to get us out of this on the other side. So I would start to look at your positions and, and my piece today talks about this a little bit too. look at your positions, make sure that your portfolio looks like you want it to for the period right before a recession, during a recession, but more importantly, the period afterwards, because that's the longer one. And that's the one that as an investor is going to make you some hay. Yeah. So real quickly on yields, you just mentioned them here. We have the 10 year yield and, you know, we're at a pretty crucial, I think, technical level here, guy. We've been talking about that steep uptrend. We look at that breakout level from just, you know, a month and a half ago um, up there at three and a half percent. We're at three, nine, five right now. I mean, listen, you know, this thing could be three and a half um, in the not so distant future. And I guess the question would be, yes, we've talked about the two year and more reflective what the Fed is going to do with Fed funds. But is the the rolling over or maybe the breaking of this uptrend? Is it reflective of the fact that the Fed might be done or like slow the pace um, after the December meeting of their rate hikes? And then also, is it also reflective of just slower growth? Yeah, all of the above, and I'm not trying to be glib, but that's exactly right. I think there's a there's a there's a hope that the Fed is going to signal 
a pause or they're going to be more data dependent. We've done our job. Let's take a look at things. I think there's also a concern that things are slowing down without question. And also probably is on the back of a market that people are looking for a flight to quality. And I think you're finding it in the form of bonds. So those things are lining up. And that also coincides with the dollar actually going lower today, notwithstanding. So this all makes sense to me. But I would submit quickly that if you do see yields go lower, you're going to see it maybe in the 10 year. You'll see it in the two year, but not nearly to the magnitude. And if you get to three and a half percent in the 10 year, you're probably talking about an inverted yield curve to the tune of about 75 or so basis points. That's just my view. Now, as we go to EY's note, and I love this, by the way, because I actually went to school with this cat. Um, I want to mention the ombre thing you got going on right now is fantastic. Number one, just pointing that out. And fact that i know that is wonderful but i mean macbeth 1623 i believe when bill wrote it obviously speaks about macbeth some scottish dude he finds his way into a cave meets three witches and this is what we're going with here this double double toil and trouble which by the way i totally dig so take it away ey uh so we're calling shakespeare bill now yeah well that's what i call Um, at some point you have to put the camera back on me because i brought a prop no, you didn't. I did. Did I you bring did. Like a I mean, cauldron, I hope? It's a Halloween-themed That's home, so good. So that is fantastic. Got a little pumpkin. Um, okay, so here's the thing. I, I'm not a big lover of Halloween, but I love all the stories and the stuff around it. Then This was on purpose. I knew that this was going to release on GDP Day. And I knew that this was going to release on GDP Day when we'd probably have a positive GDP print. So people are going to look at me like, you're nuts. Why are you talking about a recession on the day that we came out of one? Because I don't think it's over. And we've talked about this so many times. I'm going to use a tornado analogy. Those of you who've heard this before will remember it well. In Wisconsin, we had tornadoes. We never had hurricanes. A tornado watch was when the conditions were present for a tornado to form. A tornado warning was when one had been spotted in the vicinity. I would argue that what we saw earlier in the year, yes, defines a recession. We're still in just a warning phase, though, because it didn't reset the business cycle. A recession will reset the business cycle, take care of inflation. We start all over again. So think about that from business school. Those of you who enter, those of you who didn't, you're getting a class in it right now. You go to late phase, you go into a recession, then you go back to early phase. We are not in early phase right now. So I still think we need another one to actually get back into early phase. So we looked at what does uh, what do different asset classes do six months before, during the recession, and then six months after, because I think it's getting closer and closer. So like I said before, if we go into recession, let's say first quarter, second quarter of next year, the market likely tells us that first. So you want to start entering these sorts of positions, things mm-hmm. like small caps, things like cyclicals. It's not technology. Okay. It's not the big growthy names. I'm not going to use the the value term because I think that doesn't really work anymore, but you want to think about different sectors and you want to think about getting out of some of those mega cap names or at least averaging out of them so that you're not oversized on the stuff that is not going to keep up. Oversized. That's going to be. Listen, you know what? It's funny, Liz, and I. You know, I love you to death. I, I kind of feel. Um, I think you want to start averaging into the mega cap text in the not so distant future, and and but that that's more my orientation. Do you know what I'm saying? Like like that. That's kind of the areas that I feel most comfortable with, and I also think that there's some unusual values. I've heard a lot of very smart strategists say some similar things that you know the stuff that led us in the bull market is not going to lead us in the next. I just don't. 
believe that's the case. And what's different this time is the absolute size of these four or five companies and the moats that they have and the management and the monopolies of their products. So to me, it's just very different. Now, all that being said, you could look at me and say, Dan, you're the dumbest guy that I know in the markets. And if you watch Fast Money for the last 10 years, I probably backed that up here and there. Look at Meta. It was going to be a trillion dollar market cap company owning the space in their end. And now the narrative is that it's going the way of MySpace. Okay. I just bought some stock there. I don't believe that's going to be the case. But again, that's why I could be very wrong on this. I want to start averaging in, in a big way in the QQQ, maybe starting at 260 or so all the way down to 250, 240 or something. So that's my trade on the way. way, um, No, go ahead. EY. I was just going to say, you know, I don't think you're the dumbest guy in the market. Yeah, It's not that you don't want to be in tech at all. And I would say, here's, here's the reason. If we're going to talk about it broadly as a sector, I think in this environment and for the the next few quarters of this environment, valuations matter so much. And investors finally got smart to the fact that they have to decide how much they're willing to pay for future growth. And a lot of these companies, if they can't control their costs, don't have a ton of future growth that looks very solid. So at that point, you're not willing to pay much for that growth anymore. Now, if they get it together and if things get re-rated and rates fall again, it's a different story. You want to have an allocation to tech. I just think there are so many investors who much like you are very comfortable in that space and are completely overweighted. And FYI, if you're an investor and you have an ETF, a broad market ETF, and you own the FANG names individually, you're overweight. You're way overweight. So you have to think about that. And I just want people to think about some of the sectors that are lesser owned, less exciting, uh, I'm not looking at defensives right now, but I would look at cyclicals. And we all know that my favorite cyclical sector is financials. In this episode, uh, we learned about ombre, which I loved, <laughs> rhetorical. A lot of words we seldom use here on Market Call. By the way, Dan, uh, the word unusual, unless your name is Tom Jones and you're singing, uh, I have taken that word out of my vernacular for a myriad of reasons, none of which I will mention here, but the astute viewer will understand it, I'm sure, intuitively. But that's it for Market Call today. Um, Today is Thursday, which means Dan Nathan is probably going out, which means he probably run into EY from SoFi (laughs) at some establishment later on, uh, which is fun. I won't be there. Um, will not. No, I will not because I'm rarely invited. That's it for Market Call. I, I, you know, and I do dig EY from SoFi. And when Dan says LY, it's because he's just trying. Find your own nickname, okay? Glom onto something. I'm else. trolling. It's kind of like me adding you, uh, you know, on the Twitter. But which, which, you know, neither one of us might be spending as too much more time on the Twitter in the coming days. Who knows? Let's see what happens oh, here, guy. Well, with the Twitter. We'll see what happens with. That, I don't know. The, All right, the, let's take us out here. We got to get has, out of here. He right? too has a proprietary platform, as it turns out. I want to thank our sponsors, FactSet, SoFi. I love just saying, get your money right on. One app. I think that's a great slogan. And I want to thank our production partners, Open Exchange. Check this out, peeps. Tomorrow, special market call because why not? 11 a.m. with who? Carter Braxton Worth. That's what I'm talking about, people. Later. <laughs>